Okay, okay, you could all stop sending me. I appreciate it. First of all, I appreciate you, the audience. And again, you can all contact us at Roto Underworld on Twitter and email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com. I appreciate you, buzzards and minions, minions and buzzards. I appreciate the feedback and what you bring to the show. I do. But I've received, I think I've received enough. I just want to let you all know, just as a courtesy, I've received enough emails now laying out Norv Turner's history as a, as a coach and, and in the professional ranks, whether it be offensive coordinator or head coach. You've, you've successfully outlined Norv Turner's history of turning running backs into Hall of Famers. So I get it. Thank you. you, you you've, de- you've outlined his track record of... Run, uh, of coaching running backs who produce at a high level, number one, and number two, coaching running backs who catch a lot of passes. So I appreciate that. And so thank you. I, I get it. I get it. There are studies. I get it. There is a correlation between Norv Turner and running back success. I I get it. Thank you for those studies. There is absolute. I will say it. I will pronounce it here on this show on Roto Underworld Radio, Matt Kelly. For the record, again, we have a record, we have a binder here, and I write things down, and we, we date and time stamp them, and I sign them after the show, and we put things in a record. So we have a record of things said, that I things I've spoken, things I have declared for the record, and I will declare for the record, there a, cor- a correlation exists between running back success and Norv Turner being on the coaching staff. That is true. That correlation exists. That is now filed away for the record, and you can all leave me alone. But, here's the problem. You all have fallen for something called the correlation trap, which I've talked about before. There is a difference between correlation and causation. Sometimes, when you see a correlation, there's also causation under the surface. Sometimes there's not. Remember this example with Lucas Oil Stadium? Wherever the Indianapolis Colts are playing, whatever they call that stadium at that given time, is a correlation between that stadium and quarterback success. Is it, does it have anything to do with the stadium? Does it have anything to do with the architecture of the stadium? Or any attributes of the stadium? No! What does it have to do with? Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck! That's it! That's, the, that's it! And so you're falling for a correlation trap. And all of you coach zealots who love to worship the coach and... Keep sending me information implying the coach is the reason for the player's success. Are missing the point? You're, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Norv Turner happened to be the coach in his lifetime. He has been, he's blessed and cursed. On the one hand, he's coached more Hall of Famers than any coach maybe ever. Just at the running back position. Emmett Smith, LaDainian Tomlinson, Stephen Davis. If his career wasn't cut short, would have been a Hall of Famer. Now Adrian Peterson. <laughs> Must be nice. He's also been hugely unlucky in how he's perceived by the media when he's been a head coach. He's been perceived as meek. He does not have the chin of the Bill Cower. He does not look the part of the head coach. He does not exude leadership at, in the head coaching position, and therefore he is 
as a head coach, whether it was in Washington or in San Diego, North Turner was mocked incessantly for being meek, for being indecisive. All the things we don't, you can be a lot of things as a head coach. You can get away with a lot. You cannot get away with being meek and you cannot get away with being indecisive. And he wasn't, he was also wasn't a great public speaker. Norv Turner, very poorly suited to be an NFL head coach. And that's why he's no longer an NFL head coach and he will never again be an NFL head coach. So, in that way, though he has the skill set, I believe, to be an NFL head coach. And if he had coached teams that had a good defense, he never did. Washington, bad defense when he was there. San Diego, bad defense when he was there. But if he, had a, if he happened to coach a team with a defense, who knows? He could be a Super Bowl champion, and we would think of him totally differently. But in that way, he's had bad luck. He's had bad luck in the defenses that happened to be in place when he was hired on as the head coach and he was unlucky in how he was perceived by the media because I think it, the media is very fickle with their perceptions and how they report and how they characterize these coaches one win here a victory there a loss here, a loss there that changes the entire perception look at Pete Carroll Pete Carroll was perceived very similarly to Norv Turner when Pete Carroll was coaching in New England now Pete Carroll is coaching a, de- a team with a defense. And now Pete Carroll's a tough, enthusiastic leader guy. Now he's, he's getting public speaking engagements. People are paying him tens of thousands of dollars to speak to their 10,000 employees. North Turner is not getting those gigs because North Turner never happened to coach a defense. That's it. So in that way, North Turner unlucky. But in terms of the running backs that Norv Turner happened to be coaching during his career, hugely lucky. So the reason why Norv Turner's running backs are super have been super productive throughout his career is the running back, is the talent of Ladanian Tomlinson. Allows Ladanian Tomlinson to be the number one running back in fantasy and rack up well over 50 catches in almost every season during his prime when he was healthy. Emmett Smith, one of the top five greatest running backs of all time. That's because of Emmett Smith. That's not because of Norv Turner. And now Adrian Peterson. And whatever Adrian Peterson does this year will be because of Adrian Peterson and the the overall efficiency of the Vikings offense won't have much to do with Norv Turner. Norv Turner will have a will play a tangential role in the success of Adrian Peterson as Norv Turner has played a tangential role in the success of Emmett Smith as Norv Turner has played a tangential role in the success of Lindadian Tomlinson as Norv Turner has played a tangential role in the success of Stephen Davis throughout his career. But right now what we're seeing is, is this beautiful confluence of coach worship and player mythology, the myth of the legend, the Adrian Peterson creature. Put those two things together, and now fantasy experts are predicting that Adrian Peterson will go out and catch 60 balls and score 15 touchdowns and be the number one running back in fantasy, and that's absurd. Here's what else I'm seeing. 
So when you do the math, right, you, because of this player mythology, because we love the idea of Adrian Peterson, the player who is physically gifted in both durability and toughness and in athleticism. So he captures our imagination, those of us that simply love athletics. The Adrian Peterson creature captures our imagination. We want to root for him. We want to see him succeed. And that helps to drive the confirmation bias, which leads to these overly friendly projections of Adrian Peterson's fantasy output for 2015. Now, if you are going to put out a projection that Adrian Peterson will be the number one running back in fantasy, by extension, he has to catch 60-plus footballs. And only there are only so many running back targets that any given team can support. Who will suffer then? So if, if, if when you're running your projections and you're projecting Adrian Peterson to be the number one running back in fantasy, PPR, of course, PPR is the new standard. We've talked about this before. Obviously, PPR then someone has to suffer. Someone has to receive less opportunities. And that person is Jarek McKinnon. That's what has to happen. That it, it's, it, it's the natural outcrop of that projection. It's the corollary. So, you see this now. Now that I've set the bar... I put Adrian Peterson out as my number one running back. Now I have to talk myself into why Jarek McKinnon stinks. You see how this works? This is the reverse engineered analysis. When you read an article touting Adrian Peterson, there's reverse engineered analysis layered in what you're reading. Because again, the starting point is Adrian Peterson is a legend. Adrian Peterson is a freak. Adrian Peterson is... is the most athletic and durable football player of all time. He's captured my imagination. I am now going to go out and tout him. And in the process, I also have to besmirch the ability and the projected opportunity, minimize the projected opportunity that I'm forecasting for Jarek McKinnon. It's a necessity. For, for this all to play out and for the math to work, right? So then you start seeing people justifying why they have Jerick McKinnon so low in their rankings. How is that possible? Well, if I have Adrian Peterson at number one, there's a number of implied targets and receptions embedded in that ranking. Therefore, Jerick McKinnon has to be ranked much, much lower for my projections to add up, for the math to, to balance out. So then you start seeing this analysis. This is from this was this analysis I saw came out right after Adrian Peterson signed his extension. It was basically a placated extension, right? Wasn't it? It was just a placation extension. Hey, we know you're mad. Hey, we know you're frustrated. We know you're anxious about your contract. We're going to go ahead and satiate you now. We're going to go ahead and placate you now. We are going to check the box. 
on your so that we can get your happiness meter up to a level that we're all comfortable with and that we all can get along in the locker room. So let's just go ahead and and push some of your your guaranteed money out for a couple of years so that you can have guaranteed money next year and the year after and feel like we're more committed to you than we were before because that wasn't a blockbuster contract and the amount of guaranteed money that Adrian Peterson is scheduled to receive in 2016 and 2017 isn't very much but it's something it's just it's a it was essentially the olive branch extended by the organization to say hey let's all be friends let's come together everyone let's let's show up to the facility in a good mood Let's get morale high, and let's go after a Super Bowl. Because I think the Vikings could absolutely win a Super Bowl this year. They are my pick. If you're going to Vegas and you're betting on either odds to win the Super Bowl, odds to win the NFC Championship, or the total wins for the season over under, my number one bet is the Vikings. Because I don't think the public, and I don't even think Vegas, understands how good Charles Johnson is. I don't think Vegas understands how good Jarius Wright is. I don't think Vegas understand or the public understands how good Jarek McKinnon is. And also, there are studs in the key areas of the defense with Minnesota. So you've got Anthony Barr on the defensive line, solidifying the defensive line, stopping the run, rushing the passer, Anthony Barr just creating havoc. And then you have Xavier Rhodes, one of the top cover corners. So those are the two, you have two foundation pieces on the defense, and then you can fill in role players around them and have a solid defense. And then on offense, you see a lot of players ascending. I haven't even talked about Teddy Bridgewater, but we've talked about Teddy Bridgewater in previous shows. I think Teddy Bridgewater will ascend this year. In fact, I just did a, with Liz Loza, who's a fantasy personality, I did a side bet with her, and essentially it was Teddy Bridgewater versus... Ryan Tannehill. If Teddy Bridgewater outscores Ryan Tannehill this year in normal quarterback scoring, then all my if Teddy Bridgewater outscores Tannehill, then she changes all of her fantasy team names in 2016 to something of my choosing, something along the lines of Matt Kelly is amazing, Matt Kelly is a god, Matt Kelly I'm not going to do I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm not going to do anything perverted. I'm not going to do Matt Kelly as a huge penis. I know what you guys are thinking. I already can, I already know what you're thinking. You know, okay, that's not, that's not how... Matt Kelly has threesomes all the time. That's not... No, we're not doing that. That's not... That's not it, okay? It's just going to be something... It's, it's like super troopers, right? You don't want to be like Farva. You know, his his humor is sort of sad, and offensive. You don't want to do that. You want to be cheeky and fun. That's what you want to be in life. You don't want to be Farva. You want to be the other guys in Super Troopers. That's <laughs> yeah. I'll talk about Farva. I have someone who is Farva that we're, we're going to talk about in a little bit if we get to it in the show. So I have a bet with her and, you know, it'll just be Matt Kelly is Matt Kelly is smarter than Matthew. Matthew Kelly is smarter than Matthew Barry. I like that one because they're both Matthews and Matthew Barry's at the heights of fantasy analysis fame and I'd love to knock him off I'd love to I'd love to have a joust and then just with with Matthew Barry and just knock him off his horse that would be great and he and, and you know we could open imagine you opening the 
the shield, the face shield, and you can see Matthew Barry sort of struggling in his face, like, you know, blood dripping from his, from his mouth, you know, looking up in fear as I stand over him, uh, having just jousted and, and, and knocked him off his horse with my lance. You can see the fear in his eyes. Like, oh no, Matthew Kelly's coming for me. Yes, <laughs> I'm coming for you, Matthew Barry. Oh yes, and it starts with Liz Loza changing her fantasy team name in 2016 to Matthew Kelly is smarter than Matthew Barry. And then it, likewise, if Ryan Tannehill, which he won't, there's no way, but if somehow, magically, miraculously, Ryan Tannehill, I, I don't see this happening. But if, if it somehow happens, the Lightning were to strike down Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater actually throws Lightning. Anyway, if that were to happen, then all of my team names for 2016 will get changed to Liz Loza is clever and brilliant at fantasy football. Whatever you want to say. Whatever she wants. Whatever she wants. I will, we turn, we're turning over the keys to our fantasy team names to each other next year based on the winner of the Teddy Bridgewater versus Ryan Tannehill sweepstakes. Now, I also know that this show happens to be listened to. So you might wonder, well, how is the show? You keep talking about how the listenership to this show keeps growing and growing, and that's true. But then you're like, well, how, who's, who's playing fantasy football? People ask me this all the time. Who's playing fantasy football in April. Who's listening to your show? Why are you doing three shows a week in March? That sounds like a waste of time. Well, that's a great question, actually. That's a very good question. Straw man, who never actually asked me that question, but I'll answer that rhetorical question. Because everything on this show is rhetorical because I'm by myself. The answer is the listenership of this show, the audience of this show, a lot of the buzzards and a lot of the minions are actually fantasy writers and fantasy analysts themselves. So a lot of people that are writing articles are actually the ones listening to the show. And sometimes, and I'm looking at you, and you know I'm looking at you. I mean, look at me. I'm doing that thing with my two, my with my ring finger and my index finger, and I'm putting putting them in my two eyes, and then I'm pointing them out, then I'm pointing them at my two eyes, then I'm pointing them out. I'm looking at you, fantasy writer. I, I know I've seen your articles that have come out a week after my show, in which not word for word, but essentially the fundamental a position that I took on the show is mimicked in your article and you build a whole article around it and I, I see you I see you and I want to tell you keep up the good work because I can't write an article about everything I talk about on the show I don't even I don't like writing that much writing is lonely to me writing is tedious writing stresses me out I like to to breathe and experience life and sitting in front of a computer I often find myself holding my breath and my shoulders get constricted particularly when I'm in the middle of writing an article my body just I don't perceive it as stressful but I think my body gets wound and stressed and tight when I write an article and it's just it makes for a, a suboptimal experience for my physical being so 
I every article that I write for PlayerProfiler.com, I sort of write I write it begrudgingly, and I've agreed to write an article this this year, a weekly article, uh, on daily fantasy. So daily fantasy, you know, tips and tricks for for the upcoming week, value plays, etc. For XN Sports, so I'll be writing that article once a week, and I'll I'll, I'll grind my way through it. But otherwise. I want you if, if you if you like one of my opinions or if you think that something I've said is insightful, take what I said and go write an article about it and 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 have fun. Spread the the knowledge or the insight around the fantasy community. Please keep doing what you're doing. I see you and I'm giving a thumbs up. Keep doing that. Keep plagiarizing my stuff from the radio show. It's a good thing. We want just knowledge disbursement. Please keep going with that. Now, what the hell was I talking about? The Vikings, yes. So the Vikings, I believe, are the best value if you're a better, if you're gambling this year. So in particular, you know, they might not win the the NFC champ. The NFC is stacked this year. The NFC is much stronger than the AFC. So it's almost back to like the 80s. When you had the Giants and the Redskins and the 49ers and the AFC was relatively weak. We're back to that, that place again where there's a number of strong teams in the NFC and you're, you're struggling to think about who will challenge the Patriots in the AFC. So maybe the Vikings don't win the NFC, but I absolutely believe they will exceed their total wins for the season over under so bet that that's my that's my gambling tip of the week that's my can't miss tip of the week yeah shunny yeah you're gonna be gambling in vegas there shunny hey, i got a tip for you huh? i got a tip for you huh huh you want a tip huh you want a tip go ahead and take the vikings over yeah take the vikings over make some money yeah oh yeah like a like a like a nub of a cigar, yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, take those Vikings, yes. What? What? Uh, so anyway, the Vikings—they're stacked. They just happen to be a stacked team that nobody knows about. One of the players who I believe is, is the most under the radar supreme athlete and and will be a super productive football player throughout his career is Jarek McKinnon. But again, after Adrian Peterson signed his extension, a fantasy analyst who follows the Vikings said the following. I'll be surprised if McKinnon sees the field much this year. The Vikings prefer Asiata in pass pro. Oh boy. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. The pass pro fallacy. Oh, yes. That pass pro matters for passing down specialist running backs. It doesn't. It doesn't because you want to know what else? You want to know who else stinks in pass pro? Danny Woodhead. When was the last time you saw Danny Woodhead block a blitzing linebacker? Go keep thinking. No, keep thinking. Go ahead. I'll 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 stay I'll be quiet. Still nothing, right? Still nothing, right? Okay, because Danny Woodhead can't block blitzing linebackers. He's too small. They'll just run him over. They'll just step on him. 
on their way to the quarterback. Hey, I'm I'm blitzing the quarterback. This is the, you can hear hear that. I'm blitzing the quarterback. Oh, I I think I just what was that? I just stepped on something. It, I, I think I turned an ankle a little bit. I, I sacked the quarterback, and it, I stepped on something. That was just my ankle kind of went sideways, but it, it, my momentum really didn't stop, and I was able to sack the quarterback. Let me go to the sideline for a minute and check my shoe. Oh, oh, look at that in my cleat. Oh, look at that. It's a Danny Woodhead. Let me pull. Just thank you, equipment trainer for getting that Danny Woodhead out of my cleat. No, Danny Woodhead doesn't pass protect. And on third down, you'll see very precious little running back pass pro. That's not how that's not how offensive plays are drawn up. And when blitzes happen, the running back doesn't have to block. It's a total fallacy that the ability to pass protect is what will help keep you on the field in third down situations. It's just, it's, it's just wrong. Last year, we talked about this with Anton Smith. Antoine Smith's not a great pass protector. And they talk about, oh, Antoine Smith, he can't, he can't stay on the field. He can't be the number one running back. He can't be the primary back for the Falcons, even though he's hugely strong and super fast. Antoine Smith, no, no, he's not good in pass pro. And then you see on third down, an all-out blitz by the Giants. Blitzers coming from the outside. Blitzers coming from the inside. And Antoine Smith, does he stay in the block? Of course not! Because that's not what the running back does on third down. He runs a flare route to the left. And before the Blitzers can even get to Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan wheels around, tosses the ball to the side, hits Antoine Smith in stride, and Antoine Smith... <laughs> All the way down the sidelines for a touchdown. Because that's how it works. And you watch the Chargers. That's how their play calls work. Go ahead and blitz on third down. That's fine. I'm just going to hit Danny Woodhead on a hot route, and he's going to get a first down. So keep doing that. It doesn't matter. You don't need to be blocked. When there is a running back running a hot route, the quarterback can throw it to the running back before an unblocked defender can get to him. Sometimes before the unblocked defender can even touch him, he's already released the ball out to the running back in the flat. So running backs don't need to pass protect. In fact, the, there are specific times during a game when you will see a running back pass protect. They are typically on early downs. Early downs on play action, for example. On specific plays when the offensive coordinator wants to hit a double move, needs the quarterback to have a couple extra seconds, needs the quarterback to, is calling a play that has a seven-step drop. Even the West Coast offense has plays that include seven-step drops, by the way. All playbooks do. So if I'm running a play that has a seven-step drop in it, then that often will require the running back to pass protect. Because the goal for that play isn't to hit the running back on a, on a short route to get three yards. That's not the goal of the play. The goal of the play was drawn up to execute a long pass play. So those are specific situational times in the game when the running back is called upon to pass protect. And those are, are, are not often on third down. Almost never on third down, actually. 
And again, just go back to the Danny Woodhead example. We, I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw Danny Woodhead pass protect. And if I did, I, 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 I would have shuddered and closed my eyes before the impact happens because I wouldn't have wanted to see the first death on a football field, which would be essentially just Danny Woodhead getting stepped on and just snuffing out his life because that's what Danny Woodhead pass protecting would look like. Okay. So what I believe is going to happen in Minnesota is that whatever you believe Jarek McKinnon's ability to pass protect is, and I don't believe fantasy analyst X who covers the Vikings knows anything about Jarek McKinnon's ability to pass protect. Is he better than Matt Asiata in pass pro? No, Matt Asiata is 40 pounds heavier. So of course Matt Asiata is going to be better than Jarek McKinnon in pass protection. But is Matt Asiata... On a scale of 1 to 10, is Matt Asiata a 9 and Jarek McKinnon's a 2? Or is Matt Asiata a 9 and Jarek McKinnon's an 8? And then you just as soon have the much more explosive athlete on the field instead of Matt Asiata. What is the answer to that question, Vikings analyst? Oh, you don't know. Oh, that's right. Because you don't work for the Vikings. Oh, that's right. You don't work with Jarek McKinnon every day in practice and really have any idea whether he's good in pass pro or not. Not that that even matters! God! What I think is going to happen with the Vikings is that Jarek McKinnon will catch close to 50 footballs in the Danny Woodhead role. Because who's Danny Woodhead's old coach? Oh, North Turner! Oh, really? Oh, you don't say! Huh! Wow! I think just for one season, but... Huh! That's weird! Huh! Because what's the one place that we've talked about that you can use the the coach assignment, who the coach is, to predict something? Mark Trestman. We know that Mark Trestman likes running back checkdowns. He likes to throw to the running back on third down. We know he likes to do that. That's that's part of his tendency. That is a fact. That's one of those areas where knowing who the coach is matters when you're doing your projections you absolutely have to project both buck allen and justin forsett to have more receptions this year than they would with another coach not named mark tressman that's true and norv turner similar norv turner has a similar tendency there's no doubt about it is it enough to make adrian peterson an rb1 in fantasy of course not but will they be throwing to Jarek McKinnon a significant amount on third down? Absolutely. Here's the other thing. Jarek McKinnon's also an amazing athlete. And, and, and I don't use amazing. There's no hyperbole in amazing. There's, there's no amount of hyperbole. There's no hyperbole that exists that could accurately reflect what a good athlete Jarek McKinnon is. Amazing. Exceptional. Extraordinary. Unbelievable. You want to know why? Because he has a 100th percentile spark score. Because he's the best athlete in the history of the NFL at the the running back position. And he's the guy they're going to phase out. Right, 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 right. Team that's trying to win the Super Bowl. Poised to make a run into the playoffs this year. The team that's poised to ascend. 
they're going to go ahead and phase out. This is what I'm hearing. This is what this analyst is saying. They're going to phase out Jarek McKinnon on third down in favor of Matt Asiata. Jarek McKinnon, who runs a 4-4-140, has a 134.9 burst score, 96th percentile on playerprofiler.com, and a 1095 90th percentile agility score on playerprofiler.com. And, oh, by the way, he put up 32 bench reps, which is 100th percentile on playerprofiler.com. This is, the, this is the greatest athlete at the running back position in the history of the NFL. And you're telling me that they're going to marginalize him in his second year. The year most running backs ascend. No, 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 no. We're not going to, he's not going to ascend. No, 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 no. We're going to dial him back, actually. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Even though his, his growth curve, Jarek McKinnon's growth curve in terms of picking up the nuances of the running back position and better understanding how to win at the running back position is only getting better because he's only played running back in his life one year. He was a quarterback in high school. He was a quarterback at Georgia Southern. Yes, he ran a lot of options. So he, he's run the ball a significant amount in high school and in college. You can bet a guy with 4-4-1 speed is running a lot of option plays and a lot of wishbone at the high school and college level. No doubt about it. So he certainly has experience as a runner. But he doesn't have experience taking handoffs taking pitches. Again, the nuances, the footwork that is required to be a successful running back. All the technique that running backs learn throughout their career, Jerick McKinnon never learned that. He started learning it last year. And last year, even though it was his first year playing running back, he still had a 50% snap share with the Vikings. He was on the field 50% of the time even though he was a complete newbie to the position. That never happens. You never see that. Who are other athletes that have made the transition from quarterback to a skill position player in the NFL? Brad Smith, Julian Edelman? There's a handful, but if they didn't flame out, like Matt Jones or someone like that that was overdrafted and flamed out, if they didn't flame out, It took them multiple years to develop into a usable player for an NFL coach, not Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon, it was decided that he will be used right away, even if he's raw. And we make fun of this this term raw all the time, raw. There's no measurement of raw. Oh, this receiver is raw. He's too raw. He rounds off his routes. He's raw. Yeah. How do you measure that? What's... How do you quantify rawness? Oh, well, it's just you know it when you see it. Nonsense anecdotal analysis. Player X is raw. Player player Y is refined. No data to back it up. Right, okay, sure, fine. But I will concede. You can hit me with raw all the time. This guy's raw. Jeff Janis is raw. Sure, buddy. Devontae Parker is raw. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, tell me another one. Tell me another story. Dad... Tell me another story, please. Tell me about how... Tell me the story about how Devontae Parker rounds off his routes and he needs to he needs to work on his route running and that he's a high-risk player. Can you tell me another story about Devontae Parker and Jeff Janis and how they... and all the things they need to work on that you... Because, that you 
wrote down after you watched their film. Can you tell me that story again, Dad? Oh, that's a good story, Dad. <laughs> tell me that story. I'm getting tired, but I just want one more story. Please. Please, Dad. God, raw. Get out of here. But I will concede. Just like Julian Edelman was raw his rookie year in the NFL. Jarek McKinnon was raw last year. So how the heck did he manage a 50% snap share? I know how. Because he's awesome! Because he's incredible! Because he's the best athlete at the running back position that's ever been! Because if you give Jarek McKinnon the football, he has a better chance of scoring a touchdown on any given play than Adrian Peterson does. The mythical centaur creature. The indestructible, untackleable Adrian Peterson is blown away by this creature. This Jarek McKinnon creature, who is a never-before-seen creature at the NFL level. So his floor is Danny Woodhead now, now that he's in his second year with this athleticism. With a head coach that likes to throw it to the running back on third down. Now is the time. There's never been a better time to buy Jarek McKinnon. There never has been. There, now is the time. Do it now. After Adrian Peterson signed his extension and everyone's recalibrating their rankings and their projected targets and projected receptions to, to siphon all of that, all those numbers over to Adrian Peterson. And siphon it away from Jarek McKinnon. Now is the time to buy. Now, I want to let you know we're sponsoring the Fantasy Football Couch Coach Fantasy League. This is a pretty cool fantasy league. The reason why I, I, I'm affiliated with this league is that it's, it's something that, that I've, I've thought about quite a bit. Is that it'd be nice if you could play for higher stakes. If you could, you could play in a tournament-style fantasy league like the Scott Fishbowl, only not quite as tournament-style. Not a league within a league within a league. Not multiple Russian dolls. But at least have the opportunity to put in $20 and win 200 That's what you can do with the Fantasy Football Couch Coach League. So if you want to join, it's on my, my Fantasy League. The other thing I like about that league is that technically it's a slow draft, but there's constant encouragement to speed up the pace. And so after 24 hours, they were through nine rounds. So it's actually a fast, slow draft. So if, if that makes sense. So go ahead, check them out at FFCC200 on Twitter. Or if you want to sign up directly, go to www.ffcouchcoach.com forward slash FFCC200.